All right, guys, welcome back to Sense and Sensitivity to another week. My name is Cece Shia, and I'm here with my co-host, Hannah Stella. How are you guys? And thanks, guys, for joining us this week. I think, you know, I've had a lot of Wi-Fi issues while in Sri Lanka. So thanks, Hannah, for handling all of the talking and the interludes last week. But Hannah, how has it been? How's your, like, you know, week of nonstop going out? It's good. I My Tuesday night got canceled, which I was very happy about. And then I'm excited. I don't know. I'm going to Polo Bar tonight and I haven't been in a while. And then I have a very, very chill weekend because this was annoying to me and some people got mad that I was annoyed by it. I did not make plans for 4th of July weekend because I've been trying to see a specialist, a rheumatologist for all of these autoimmune issues that I've been having. And in May, they told me that she could see me either July 3rd or at the beginning of September. And I was like, okay, I'll go on July 3rd. And so I didn't make any plans to go out of town or anything. And then they called me on like June 27th, 26th or 27th. And they were like, hey, actually, like she wants to go out of town for 4th of July weekend. So she can (laughs) see you at the beginning of September. And I was like, no, 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 I don't begrudge the woman the time off. But like, I didn't do anything so that I could see this doctor. So now I'm seeing her on the 5th. So all's well that ends well. But I have a very chill weekend, which I'm looking forward to. How are you? How's Sri Lanka? How was Dubai? Yeah. So, you know, Sri Lanka is absolutely beautiful. It's like probably where I think like I've seen the most just like fruit everywhere. There's like so many fruit trees everywhere and it's not like they belong to anyone. So there's so many fruit stands too. And it kind of feels like a paradise of being able to just go around everywhere and then also just like eat fruit off of trees. You know, like that's just a version of paradise that I haven't actually seen in person ever. And Sri Lanka truly is it. And there's like beautiful flowers blooming everywhere. It really is like, I can't even imagine what people thought when they first came onto the island and were like, oh my God, this is where we've made it. It's incredible. And they like, you know, today we went to a tea farm and tea factories and they have all these like tea farms around. So it just like grows everything. I've never been to a place where it grows absolutely everything before, which is awesome. So very different from like July 4th. I think like what July 4th, we're flying back actually, because my friend's wedding is like on July 2nd. So it was like the only way we could do the whole trip. I'm with you. You know, I'm going to have a kind of chill July 4th after all as well. I'm laughing at what you said a little bit, not laughing at you, but in the Judeo-Christian <laughs> tradition, that is literally the OG paradise, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like <laughs> land of milk and honey, right? The Garden of Eden. It was sort of fruit trees everywhere and stuff, yes. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, you eat the apples. Although there haven't been any apples here, there has. Have you ever tried a jackfruit? Yes. They're good. It's so good. Yeah, it's so good. I'm so confused by how good it is. Nathaniel and I actually loved it so much. We joked that we wanted to bring one back with us, but we know that customs would absolutely hate that. So if you're listening, U.S. Customs and Immigration, we are not going to do that. But we joked about it because it is so good. I think you can buy them here. I think you can get them in New York. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Yeah, oh, not gosh. maybe there are some grocery stores that sort of specialize in that sort of thing. You can definitely buy them somewhere in New York. Maybe I'll look it up. Yeah, I need to find it because I know you can't get durian in the States and you can't get mangosteen in the States. And those were a couple other things that were kind of prolific, especially in the Emirates. I am almost positive you can get jackfruit because they make a lot of meat substitutes out of jackfruit. You know what? That's true. Yeah. It's often used in vegan cooking, right? Where they have Mm -hmm. like, oh, you have like jackfruit curries instead of beef. And I've just never had it in pure fruit form, which is weird. I don't understand why we don't use it more in pure fruit form. I don't know. I think we're just like used to our fruits. People don't even know how to cut open a different fruit, which sounds crazy. But I think that's really a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I think we're just used to it. Okay. Have you traveled to East Asia where they always like peel the fruits and cut it for you before you eat it? I do not think I've had that experience. No. Yeah. Yeah. In East Asia, like anytime you're eating fruit, they'll always peel it and cut it for you. And it wasn't until I moved to America that I had just like 
a fruit as if it were just off the tree and like whole and just unencumbered, un... Oh God, I was about to say uncircumcised, which is kind of true, but like (laughs) (laughs) uncircumcised fruit. That's funny. Yeah. No, I do buy the sliced fruit a lot, but no, I don't think I've ever... I've been to Japan and Korea, South Korea, and I remember the fruit that was served there was like a beautiful presentation. I don't recall like a table side slicing any of the places that I went. Oh, yeah. They won't do it table side. I think it's like something that happens in the kitchen because they want to like present you with the whole thing. It's not like the Italian pasta cheese wheel situation where they're like, here's the cheese wheel. So then I have. I didn't connect it as a cultural thing. I was just thinking it was a restaurant thing. No, they'll do it. Like if you come over to my house, my parents, they will bring us fruit and it will be all peeled and cut. And that's just how they give it. And they'll give like little toothpicks for us to eat from. I love that. I think that's so sweet. That's beautiful. Yeah. They didn't say I love you ever, but they did cut fruit for me, which was basically their way of saying I love you. It was a gesture. I'll take it. It's a gesture. Yeah, no, I feel like tiger parents from China are all about gestures and nothing about the actual words. Yeah, wait, but how's your health going? How's the like autoimmune stuff? I thought it was getting better being in New York. It has been getting better being in New York, but I'm not on any medication. They know that I have something and they're sort of figuring out what. So I'm very eager to actually go to the doctor. And I'm glad that after a little bit of back and forth, they fit me in. And I'm actually looking forward to kind of having a quiet weekend. I suppose this will come out after the 4th. So I'm looking back fondly on the quiet weekend I've had. Yeah, we'll both look fondly upon (laughs) the past. I feel like all the timing of podcast recordings is props to any podcasters who can keep track of that very well, because it is a whole endeavor. And I don't know, Hannah, how did you feel about like doing solo podcasting for a little bit last week? I found solo podcasting so difficult in a way that was weird, because I do think in conversation, I can talk for a long time, but solo podcasting, it like threw me for a loop. So I think that if I was doing a solo podcast, I would have found, I do think I would do a solo podcast very differently than we do this podcast. But I think that would be easier in a way. I did not talk for very long on that intro, but doing an intro to a conversation between two people where it's just me and it was never intended to be me, that was very awkward and I didn't know what to say. Whereas I do think if I was doing a solo podcast, I would do it a little bit more scripted because you're not in conversation. And otherwise, I ramble in conversation as well. But I definitely see where you were coming from. It's a little bit, it's a little bit awkward, but we got the episode out. <laughs> Which is the important part. Yeah. Yes. Living and learning, getting the episode out. <laughs> How has the nightlife been in that part of the world? Because we're talking about nightlife this week. Yeah. So, okay. Going to uh, Emirates. So in Dubai, I really thought that because the Emirates is such a conservative country that there wouldn't be a lot of nightlife, which is really weird because I also know that from what we see in videos about Dubai, they tend to paint Dubai as kind of like a Vegas type situation, right? But I was really like, I can't imagine that happening because like the entire country is Muslim. Like you have to dress very conservatively. And I was like, how are they going to manage nightlife? And it turns out that nightlife is like a complete 180 from what you wear during the day. So during the day, I like try to wear, you know, maxi skirts and things that, you know, covered my knees and shoulders. But then for clubs at night, you had to just like wear normal Vegas clubbing dresses, which is like the weirdest thing. And they had a huge emphasis on shoes. I know we talk about this in for New York shoes, but like, you know, I actually broke out my heels for a couple of the nights and only the expats go out. Right. So it's like if you want Dubai clubbing, it's not like you're clubbing with the Emiratis. You're clubbing with the expats. But actually, I didn't know this, but I think the Dubai has like 10 million residents and 9 million of them are expats. So it's like essentially a majority expat city. I think the Emirates is a native minority population. I think the country. Mm -hmm. 
So there, the Emiratis are the minority of the residents. I don't know yes. whether or not they're the largest ethnic group, even though there are more cumulatively total. Yeah. So they actually aren't the largest ethnic group, and therefore they're kind of like a market dominant minority, which I learned from, I went to my what college reunion and sat in on a lecture and the lecture was kind of about how market dominant minority groups in certain countries. So kind of like the ethnic Chinese in the Philippines or, you know, the Dutch in South Africa, when you have that kind of like weird mix where in technically an, an ethnic minority controls the market, it really sets up for like interesting political tensions and sets the roadmap really for like democracy to fail, believe it or not. Yeah, I do think it's different, though not totally different. The UAE has a has a different version of that in the Philippines and in South Africa. You have a minority dominant economy where somebody colonized the population. Whereas yes. in the Emirates, the Emiratis are the native people. And then they have infrastructure that's supported by either I mean they certainly have a lot of like ethical issues with the labor force and then also uh, very skilled labor and economic like like people who are very educated who work in oil and as lawyers and stuff who are so it's a little bit different I think though certainly with its own set of problems yeah yeah I think that's an important distinction is like you know the colonization aspect and also just the fact that the Emirates is a monarchy, so at the end of the day, they don't really have right. like the risk of democracy issues and democracy running amok because it's a monarchy. It's probably right. going to be unless something major happens, but it is like interesting to kind of like see how because I really thought they would be like an ethnic majority given how much a sway they have in the Emirates and what I imagine, but they really, they were a smaller portion and they dressed so well, which is funny because you think that because they have to like cover up, right? And just like wear the bias and like the head scarves that they wouldn't dress well, but they were like some of the most fashionable, classy women I've ever seen. I couldn't stop looking at some of them. They managed to like just make their handbags and shoes speak volumes. It is a skill I aspire to have. Yeah, they dress up every day. They have like full like couture outfits on. It's amazing. They're very, very stylish. It's a culture that I think really values beauty in a way that I think is awesome. Yeah, yeah, it was wonderful. Whereas Sri Lanka, I mean, people value beauty, but there isn't really any nightlife here that we've discovered so far, which is just disappointing because we love nightlife. But also the daytime is like very exhausting. I feel like we're just going from like temples to like uh, tea plantations to really ancient ruins. I feel like the ancient ruins here are astounding. And they're like, you know, from the 8th century or the 10th century. And you can just walk around them. That's amazing. Yeah, I've never been. And how big is the wedding that you're going to? Lots of people? Yeah, I think it'll be like semi big. I kind of wish the bride didn't make us. I'm friends with the bride. The bride didn't ask us to wear saris for the wedding, but I would have loved to actually dress in the whole saris and like do the whole big Sri Lankan wedding situation. But we'll see. It's coming up this weekend. Or, you know, if you're listening to this, it happened last weekend. And I'm sure I'll talk about it for next time. But yeah, really excited to do that and just see how many people actually came from the US because it is such a long trek. I think it's nice that it's kind of over a holiday weekend. So people perhaps have the time and I would go. I mean, I think that seems like so much fun. Yeah. I also think in general, when people have, I used to hate destination weddings, but now that I have seen how much effort people put into like making destination weddings, like more of a whole weekend thing and kind of more of like a vacation planning for you. I am all pro destination weddings. Yeah, I like them too. Cool. Well, should we get into some nightlife in New York? Yeah, let's definitely do it as the sound of children running by. <laughs> by me. Yeah, no nightlife here, but let's talk about nightlife in New York. All right, let's get into it. Okay, so I think for people in the suburbs or people who love like rural areas, New York City is so expensive that they're always like, well, what's the point of living there? What is the point of being in this like crazy expensive environment where rent is crazy expensive, like inflation and dining is expensive? 
And New York is just so expensive compared to other cities that I think sometimes it's hard for people to understand why one would live in New York. And I think for me, one of the big draws has been the nightlife. I don't know about you. Like, what do you think the point of living in New York is? What do you think the point of even this weird category of lifestyle called nightlife means? Yeah, I mean, I think to me, the point of living in New York is a lot of it is just that it's where I know how to live. Like I've lived here since I was 18 years old. And Cece, I am such a relentless snob. I don't think I can live anywhere else. Like I feel so out of step outside. I don't think I'm really a snob. I Maybe, whatever. That's not for me to adjudicate. But I do feel like there are so many like kind of cultural reference points and touchstones in New mm-hmm. York City that whenever I leave, I feel a little bit like an alien. Like, I feel like I make jokes and I'm like, no, that one kills. And everybody's like, what is she talking about? And, you know, there's so many like New Yorkers that are kind of famous in New York. And then you mention them to somebody outside and they don't know. And so I think I live here because I don't know how to live elsewhere. But I do think that the nightlife (laughs) is a really fun part of New York. And I think New York has a very unique nightlife because culturally people in New York do not often entertain in their homes. Even if they have like big condos or brownstones or townhouses or like full floor co-ops, people have people over some, but it's really a culture of going out. You know, Mm -hmm. even like most of the people I know who have gorgeous, very, very fancy apartments, most of the time when they have people over, unless it's like a party, they have people over for like a cocktail hour with the plan of like, and then we'll go to dinner from here. And so I think New York is very unique, at least versus like other kind of more suburban areas in that everybody sort of goes out. There's not Mm -hmm. very much staying in to socialize that people do. And so I think that that means that nightlife plays a role really beyond beyond your early 20s. Like I think that other places, people really go out when they're young. And then as they get older, they do more and more kind of like barbecues, dinner parties, socializing in their homes and in their friends' homes and less out. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head for why I love New York. And it's the only city I've been to and lived in where I feel like you never really age out of going out. And it's something I became particularly attuned to as I entered my like late 20s, early 30s and started having friends move out of the city. And that was when I realized, oh my God, if they all leave, then what if there's no one else to go out with? What if there is like no one else to hang out with? And I kind of should leave, go back to the Bay Area, like try to live in the same city as some of my high school friends, which was a little bit of a possibility. But what I loved was then I started meeting people who were like in their mid 30s, in their late 30s, still going out. And now I know people who are like in their 50s and 60s and still having very much a good life that involves going out. And I don't know if it stems from the fact that when you first get to New York, you're usually much poorer. So you live in an apartment that you're not really like overjoyed to have people in, you know, like I think about my first apartment and the living room had like no windows. So it's not a place where I was like, Hey guys, let's come hang out at my place. And that like feeling of having to go out for the ambience that you want carries over even when you do have a really lovely place, because the ambiance of certain New York locations and just like the streets is something that you can't really replicate in another location. Totally. I agree. I think it's just, yeah, it's just such a part of New York in a really nice way. And I think it's really the way that you meet people. Like you meet so many people. Most of my friends I've met in the evenings, whether that was like through friends of friends or at like some sort of an event that is going out that's being held at a bar or something. Most of your kind of like socializing and networking happens when you kind of go out, which is Mm -hmm. really, it's really cool. Yeah. I was going to ask, like, do you not think that that would happen anywhere else? I know you haven't really lived in any other city, but like LA or San Francisco or DC or Chicago, they're all still also pretty big cities, but kind of what's your impression of being able to meet people while out in those settings? 
I mean, I'm sure that you can. I'm sure that you can. But I, I feel like, so DC is just government. And I feel like everybody meets <laughs> through like working in the government. Like it's just, that's everybody does something government related in DC. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure people in Chicago and stuff meet people out. But I think that New York, it's hard because I've only ever lived here. So I actually yeah. do not know what I'm talking about. But I get the <laughs> sense that a lot of other places like Miami, nightlife is very like nightclub driven. Mm-hmm. And I get the sense that Chicago is very kind of like bar driven. And sure, you can meet people out. But there are places where you can go in New York where you can go out and you have like a real conversation with people. And I think mm-hmm. that that is less the culture in other places. Like it feels to me that it's somewhat unique about New York. And I'm sure everybody will listen to this and be like, Hannah does not know what she's talking about. And like, I agree. But it feels to me in New York, like there are so many different pieces of nightlife. Whereas Mm -hmm. in some other places, like I was in Charleston for a while when I was sailing down to the Bahamas and it felt very much like there were bars to go out and like restaurants that you went to dinner with friends. And so it was either like you're going to kind of hook up or like go out with your girlfriends or you're just not really going out. Mm -hmm. And I feel like in New York, you can go out to like a cocktail bar and just talk to the people next to you and actually like make friends in a way that I haven't been to those places in other cities. Maybe they exist. Maybe, but that's not the topic for today. So I guess, yeah, let's get into how our New York City, like nightlife locations have changed over the years and kind of where we went out at various periods in our lives. So you came here before me. So like, yeah, what was college like when you're underage? That was one thing that always freaked me out is how do you be in a city where there's so many bars, restaurants, nightclubs, but being in that weird age between like 18 and 21, where you're an adult, but you're not like an adult in the eyes of alcohol consumption. Oh, well, you just go to bars where you know that they take, like, the world's shittiest fake IDs. That's what everybody, (laughs) I don't know. I'm not endorsing it, but, like, what we did, I had for years a fake ID that had somebody else's picture on it and was expired. Oh, and they accepted that. Yeah, I mean, not not everywhere, but there were well-known bars. When I was at NYU, it was, like, Facebook was more of a thing than it is now, and, Mm -hmm. like, different groups and different people a lot of the more fraternities would make kind of like Facebook events and it would say like 21 plus and then in parentheses it would be like easy and there were just certain bars where you knew (laughs) parentheses easy I love it (laughs) where you knew that like you could go with a fake ID they ended up being kind of sketchy places in some ways but there were just like yeah there were just bars where you knew that like this place will probably take your fake id and there were pretty good fake ids also that you could order and buy and stuff and then you know a lot of it i think a lot of people ordered them i'm trying to remember all of it but i think a lot of people ordered them there was like a website that shipped fake ids from china and Mm. it was expensive it was like 200 dollars for one but then you could get like two for $220 or three for $230. So people would get multiples of their fake ID. And so then you weren't so worried about it getting taken. Yeah. And they did get taken. One time this man, this bouncer at Josie Woods Pub, which is like an NYU bar, but it is at least when I was at NYU, it was very popular. And it was also very like, they actually would not let people under 21 in or if they did, you had to bribe the bouncer like $100, like something crazy. He took my real ID and he wouldn't give it back until I paid him. And I was like, I'm not going to pay you. I'm going to call the police. And then this guy that I was kind of talking to, like bribed him and got my ID back. And then I got mad at the guy. I was like, no, we don't pay for our like legal, like government issued property. And he was like, it's less drama. And I was like, no, I want more drama, more drama, baby. This guy just took my ID. I... <laughs> I'm on your side, not for the drama, but like for the justice of the situation. Like, yes, I wanted justice. Yeah. yeah, but I was like, no, I don't want less drama. I want, I want my ID back for free because it's mine and I'm 21 years old. Yeah, it's justified drama. Like I think all of any kind of like legal proceedings just essentially justify drama. And that's why people love it so much because you legitimately feel like you've been wronged. And yeah, how much did he pay? 
I don't know. I don't think he told me because I got so mad immediately. And I don't really get mad. At, I don't really get mad. I like go on rants now, but I don't really like snap at people in real life. And so I think mm-hmm. he was like kind of shocked. Probably like 40 bucks, 20, 40 bucks. Yeah. Still too much for a situation like that where you're on the right side of the law. Mm-hmm. Plus inflation. This was in like 2000. When did I turn 21? In 2012. So I just, I was newly 21. So it must've been 2012. Mm -hmm. Yeah. When was your first, did you ever live in New York or come to New York before you were of age? We would visit New York from New Haven. So like take in the train, but I think none of us were confident enough to try our luck at going to a bar in New York. Whereas like the New Haven bars, because it's such a college town in many ways, we felt very comfortable trying to get in without showing ID or like with someone else's like real ID or maybe like someone's fake ID. It felt a lot less consequential, but New York was kind of like the scary place where we weren't sure if we would be able to do that kind of scam. So we never did anything in terms of like nightlife, even when we did visit the city. I'd say the biggest going out in New Haven, at least, was at this one sushi place that was known for just not taking ID. They got shut down like two years later for obvious reasons, but they never checked ID and you could order sake bombs and just do them. So it was a very common like pre-dance location where everyone would just go around and like do sake bombs and it was wonderful. But this didn't really happen in New York as much until the summer after all of us had mostly turned 21 and we were there for like our big girl, big boy adult internships. And that was kind of a crazy summer because the first time you're 21 in New York, you just go out every weekend, probably every day and take so many shots. And it wasn't even like fun bars. It really was just mostly Phoebe's and B-Bar. And they're across the street from each other. And looking back, I'm like, that's embarrassing that we just like went to two bars across the street from each other and took shots. And that's all we did. Like, why did we do that? That wasn't... <laughs> that's what every intern does. Yeah, yeah. But I, you hate it when you're such a cliche, right? It's like getting your heart broken. As it's happening, you're like, I hate that such a cliche, but I don't know how else to do this experience. Like, how can you make an intern summer not a cliche even? I feel like that's like a worse vibe to like be so like trying not to do what all the other like (laughs) 20, I don't know. I think you're right to just go to B-Bar and Phoebe's. Yeah, not like the other interns, right? No, it really was. But yeah, I can't even really tell you details about that summer or those locations besides they always have the checkered floor and the shots are always like pretty cheap and someone would always be ordering shots and you just like do that and talk to your friends whom you talk to the whole rest of the year anyway. So it wasn't even like you met new people. It was a very strange summer. Yeah, I mean, Bieber closed. Probably for for good reason. Yeah, I think they're building a luxury condo above it. But I think that it was a single story and now it's going to be like 24 (laughs) stories. But also it probably had its moment and now it's gone. When I was that age, once I turned 21, I was so broke and all my friends were so broke. And we figured out that there were certain bars where you could go and pay nothing. That it was like really easy if you figured out where like, the young finance and law people were, mm. or the not young ones, that you could just go and like just walk in and within five minutes, some guy would be like, oh, like, do you girls want like a drink? And so mm-hmm. we started, my friends and I started just only going out to places. Oh my gosh, Dorian's was crazy for that. Dorian's is like an Upper East Side bar that's like an institution and has been there for like a long time. And we used to do those like markers on our arms. This was so dangerous. We should not have been drinking that much. But one time my friend and I, I think we got like 16 free drinks each. And then people also gave us cash for our cab back downtown. Like it was just, so we just... (laughs) from 21 to like 23, like the year post-grad, we were just so broke. And we were like, all right, so we're just going to go out to the places where we know we won't have to pay. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that is such a good encapsulation of people who are overpaid, but don't have a lot of time to spend their money. So now when they do have any free time, they're like, let's buy 16 drinks each for these girls and also give them cab money back. That was great. <laughs> you know, you're hustling. Yeah. It's funny because I think probably some of my friends from college were those finance bros. Because when I was in law school up in Cambridge, I would go to New York sometimes to visit people. And yeah, I would just like tag along to the places that they went to, the bars that they went to. And it was very much like, I don't know, brass monkey, <laughs> like 13 steps, like everywhere that these like finance bros like to go to on their limited time off to just like spend so much money. And it was also the time when my girlfriends in New York were getting into the club promoter scene. So Mm -hmm. they would be like, Oh, yeah, come with me and we'll meet the promoter and go to Lavo or something. And it sounds way cooler than it actually was because we would show up They'd usually be late. So then we would just be like waiting there all dressed up until the promoter gets there with like a cotter of other girls. And then finally, like the alcohol would start coming and would be like, oh, okay. But up until then, it was like actually very boring. And I was like, why is so much of having fun just waiting in New York? Like Mm -hmm. if it's not lines, it's like waiting for the person to get there or waiting for a promoter to get there. And it made me wonder like why people subject themselves to these kinds of lines and waiting. If you've ever gone around like Lower East Side on the weekend, there's just so many lines like everywhere. (laughs) If you're dressed up and you are with a group of women, it doesn't even matter how old you are. And you like look nice in like a fashiony way, not a clubby way, like club appropriate, but fashiony. You can just make eye contact with the bouncer and walk past. You always can. In the Lower East Side too? I feel like they're a little bit more like, oh, I mean, certain spots, not all of them, but like, (laughs) not all of them. But yeah, you just have to look at them like, I'm I'm not going to wait in this line. And then usually they'll like nod at you. Yeah. One of my toxic habits is I hate waiting in line. So I actually will go up and try to get in. And it sometimes leads to like unpleasant interactions, which is probably my fault. But I really am like, I will not wait in this line. I think one time someone told me no. And then I went around and just like slipped behind him. I think it's one of those pluses of being kind of small is that sometimes if they get distracted, you can just like slip behind someone. Yeah. I mean, at this point in my life, I went to a few clubs like last summer and the summer before, but I wouldn't go unless somebody not like knew a promoter. And I know that this is like privileged and niche and like applies to me and not to everybody. But unless like one of my friends is friends with the person who owns the club, (laughs) I'm not going to a club. Yeah. Yeah. That's just where I am. I agree now. And the thought of wearing heels to a club horrifies me. I know you still need to do that in Vegas. I know you still need to do that for clubs in Manhattan, but remembering that I used to like put on these gigantic heels to go to a club and kind of like bop around and not even really be able to dance. I'm just like, what was I thinking? Like, did I hate comfort? Did I hate myself? Was I trying to do like modern day foot binding? Something was like wrong. But I feel like when I for what 25, that's when I started going to like the meatpacking bars. I like loved meatpacking as an area. Like I think I had my birthday party at PhD. I love Laban and would also go to. Have you heard of like? I think it's supposed to be not explicitly an Asian club, but it is essentially an Asian club. It was called Circle. No, do you remember Southside? Southside. Southside? Southside. No, what is that? It was not meatpacking. It was so fun. They had like glasses that they would give you. It was like the only fun club. I mean, there were a lot of fun clubs, but we always thought it was the most fun club. It was on like Lafayette Street downtown, Mm. but you would go there from meatpacking. I guess it was kind of close to Brass Monkey. That was, that was fun. Did you go, did you go in the hot tub at LeBan? I didn't. It like concerned me. Did you? Yeah, of course. (laughs) Please. You're like, I did it. How was it? Stupid. But like, that's what you need to like, get naked and go in the hot tub. I don't know. It was the 2010s. It was a different era. Did you ever go to the box when they would pee on you? Oh, gosh. Okay. I've heard of the box. <laughs> I did not go. I feel like by the time I heard about the box, I had like veered much more into Brooklyn. And Brooklyn has like their own versions of those scenes, but in much less like 
spectacle ways. And I think the spectacle aspect of the box like really concerned me. The fact that we are all like looking at these acts in a way that made us almost like gawk. I don't know. The gawking was kind of weird. Not that there isn't gawking in Brooklyn, but it feels a little bit more low key. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, it's a sex show. Yeah. It's a burlesque adjacent performance. (laughs) Yes. Yes. And I think for a lot of people, it's like their first time seeing a show like that. Yeah. It was certainly my first time seeing a show like that. It was my only time seeing a show like that. They didn't win you over, huh? No. I was also going to answer like the waiting in line and stuff. I think that there is a fantasy in New York that people wait on the lines and like want to go out to these clubs. And I, I certainly like fell victim to this or was a part of this. I think there's a fantasy that there are going to be like way cooler and way more sort of conspicuously cool people at clubs mm. if you get in and that you'll have like access to them, if that makes sense. Yeah. Like I think a lot yeah. of people are like, oh, if I go to this nightclub, like I've heard that celebrities are there or I've heard that a lot of like people who like, I don't know, own whatever, like a lot of athletes are there. And so if I go Mm -hmm. and I get in, then like I'll start dating an athlete or I'll like know all these (laughs) athletes or I'll be friends with celebrities. And it like, it doesn't work that way. If they're there, they're like in a VIP area at a table and like they do invite people to their tables, but like not that much. Yeah. Yeah. With the exception of that actor who plays Greg on Succession, he's hanging out at his own like restaurant all the time and very, very eager to meet the girls who want to meet him. Have you heard about this? No, but that makes sense to me. I don't even know. I've never seen (laughs) Succession, but that, yeah, I I 100% believe that. Yeah. Yeah. There's one actor who is like known for kind of being a ladies man and he has a restaurant in East Village, I think. And girls will go to try and meet him. And he does hang out there a lot. I think he actually uses that to meet women a lot, which is, which is fine. You know, it's, it's a thing to do. It's a tactic. My favorite story about a club, and this is mission, which is, it was the subsequent club that circle turned into after like circle got shut down. But it was a day where after I had gone to a picnic and then I'd gone to karaoke and then I was still wearing like picnic clothes. So like flip-flops, And they were like, let's go to Mission. Let's go to this club. And I was like, I'm not dressed for the club. They're not going to let me in. They're like very, very shoes conscious, as I think a lot of clubs are. And there's this one. She's a pretty big YouTuber, actually. But she was so nice. She was like, maybe I'll go in and then I'll pass my heels back to you and you can wear them and go in. And I was so touched by this like offer. I don't think it would have worked at all, but I was like, oh, thank you for offering to pass back your shoes to me. I think it would work. And I think that's really sweet. It was really sweet. Yeah. And I was like, oh man, you're like actually very sweet for trying this. I think I was like, okay, let's not do that. If I don't get in, I don't get in. But then my friend did slip the bouncer at 20 and I got in with flip flops and it was honestly the funnest dancing of my life. Cause I was like, Oh wait, this is what dancing feels like when you're comfortable. And mm-hmm. I think that was like the start of my next era is like looking for comfortable dancing rather than uncomfortable dancing in heels, which is so much of like Manhattan clubs. Yeah. I love to dance, but I only have danced at weddings in the last few years. I'm a big, where are you at this point in your life? This Now I'm a big like bar and restaurant person. Like there are kind of restaurants with more of like a fun sort of loungy vibe, not like catch. Like it was always (laughs) really fun (laughs) to be very clear. But like a polo bar or like holiday bar downtown, it's like you go to dinner, but there's kind of like a bar vibe in there. And then you can go kind of like stand at the bar depending. That is more where I go out now because I think I like dancing, but I don't really want to dance with strangers. What about dancing next to strangers? I mean, that could be fine, but <laughs> I I feel like next to becomes with so very quickly. Yeah, I feel like I need to drag you out in Brooklyn one of these nights. People are very, very respectful of personal space for the most part, which is right. why I think, you know, after my flip-flops at mission experience I was like wait I need to find places to dance because yeah I love dancing like I love dancing at weddings and I got sad that as I got older 
people didn't want to dance as much anymore. And I was like, wait, I thought we all liked dancing. I didn't realize this was like only a thing you did in your mid 20s or early 20s. I wanted to do this for the rest of my life. Yeah, I love to dance. I'll come out in Brooklyn. I've only really been to Barry Park. I have not done a lot of like going out in Brooklyn. Well, I don't know if I'm drinking how much I'll be drinking, but I'm not not drinking starting on the like 22nd, I think the 23rd. (laughs) So sometime after that. Yeah, we'll do a Brooklyn night. I'll introduce you to the wonders of Brooklyn going out. But did you ever hear about Output? It was like kind of a quintessential Brooklyn club. Yeah, it's now closed, but loved going to Output. And now I feel like there's just a lot of warehouses that have opened up into like dance clubs. And they're really nice in that you can just like wear sneakers and you can dance and they're like really large events. The downside is they do always play like deep house for the most part, which I do like, but there's something about dancing to like pop music or like top forties that still warms the cockles of my heart and that I want to capture outside of just weddings, but mostly only happens at weddings. And I'm like, where is the dancing to pop music? Like, that's what I want to find dancing to pop music in sneakers. There was, you used to be able to do that on the Lower East side Next to, there was no fun and there was dark room and they were right next to each other and dark room was better and they both closed, which is a real shame because they would play great playlists and it was so much dancing. You could wear, I think you could wear sneakers. Like it was very, you could be dressed up or you could, uh, that was great. They should bring back those spots. The last like nostalgic spot I want to bring up, did you ever go to the Westway? The Westway? No. Where was it? Okay. Westway or the Westway. I think it was called the Westway. It was on the West Side Highway in like the neighborhood of Manhattan that I call FedEx, Mm -hmm. which is (laughs) like where all the FedEx things and stuff are like below the West Village, like Mm -hmm. kind of Soho adjacent. I think they call it like Hudson something now, but I call it FedEx. It was in FedEx and it was on Tuesday nights, they would have West Gay at the Westway and they would have all of these like male go-go dancers. And it was Mm. so fun and people would dress up. It was like the best time. One of them had a Harry Potter tattoo. And for some reason that always really tickled my funny bone that there was like this like super jacked, like male go-go dancer who had a big Harry Potter tattoo. I mean, uh, Harry Potter was such a big story and like revelation for the gay community, right? So it's not surprising. Yeah. Well, not now. But this was JK pre- Yeah, this was pre-JK pre-JK Rowling going crazy. I don't know. I, I think that a lot of the real Harry Potter people have done like a dancer from the dance thing with JK Rowling. Mm-hmm. Like I feel like a lot of people are like, I don't know, I love Harry Potter. She's not perfect. I am out of my Harry Potter phase and have been for the better part of two decades. So I don't really know, but. I didn't realize it was something you could grow out of, but Hannah, you've left us all behind. Have you gone to the Harry Potter studios? No, 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 no. I was really into it though. Like I would go to like the midnight readings or like midnight release parties and have theories. And then I just sort of did not, I don't even know what house I would be in. Maybe that like French girls boarding school. You're like, so not even Hogwarts, the other one. The other one. What do you think now like defines nightlife? I feel like when you're going out now, it's like you decide who you, I mean, always, but it's like, who do you want to be around? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think a lot of the times it is like a combination of who I want to be around, who I want to see again. And sometimes it is just like, I just want to dance because it's something I haven't done in a while or certain like themes. I think oftentimes going out now, I love like certain themed nights. I think, you know, House of Yes has a lot of those where I'm like, okay, yeah, I do want just like a lot of glitter or like a show or to celebrate something else. But it's a lot more about trying to fit my mood at the moment, which is not something that happen in my 20s as much. And Nathaniel's really good about this, but he'll go and try to find like the weirdest event possible off of like, I don't know, Instagram or Facebook, and we will go. And some of those are very, very hit or miss. Some of them are like, so weird when you get there. Like one, the DJ, she does like 
algorithmic DJing. So she kind of like codes in front of you to DJ. And when we got there, they were like, oh yeah, there's no bathroom here. If you want to go to the bathroom, you have to like walk down the street, take a left and go to this bar in order to go to the bathroom. And I was like, okay, cool. This is like a very DIY affair. And you could only buy white claws or jello shots that they had pre-made. And that was all they had. So I love like seeing those events where it's kind of like as weird as things get. That's, I think, the part that I probably can't find in another city as easily. And what really makes me committed to stay in New York forever. And they'll have to pry my like cold dead body from Brooklyn. That seems cool. Those kind of events. I mean, yeah, I was going to say, like Hannah, mixed bag, come with me next time. Cool. I'll do it. I'll try anything twice. <laughs> Yeah. So what about you? What does it look like now? Like kind of these like bars, restaurants, is there anything beyond? What is the goal for you of going out? I don't know. I would like to like go out more kind of like fun, dancey places, but I don't want to feel like the oldest person there. And I also don't want to feel like the youngest person there in a weird way. I feel like on the Upper East Side, there are a few places where like the old Real Housewives cast used to go. And I think that's not the either. <laughs> A lot of the time when I go out, I go like to dinner with my friends and then we'll go get a drink somewhere else after. But Mm -hmm. there's no dancing, which I miss the dancing. I really like kind of a fancy dinner in this sort of restaurant where they'll kind of let you linger or go Mm -hmm. like hang out at the bar. Yeah, I'm sort of like re... I haven't been going out much. Well, I've been going out to dinner by myself and like out to dinner with friends. But I haven't really gone out actually since I've gotten back, except mm-hmm. for one night. But I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll maybe I'll get back into like going to Acme or something with a bunch of 25-year-olds. Oh, my who, God. Who knows? I know. So I feel like I missed a part of going out in New York because I never went to places like Acme. I never, like, I've never gone to Polo Bar. These are just like all places that I have never gone to, but have only heard of. And maybe that is just like a factor of the crew that I was with in New York, or like, I was just like not part of that group. But I have, I don't know, how about I take you out in Brooklyn and you take me to Acme and we can figure out and compare notes. I haven't been to Acme in a long time, so we'll see if I can still get into Acme. But I think Acme is really, it's its a nightclub, so it's like very similar to all the nightclubs you've been Oh, God. To. Okay. We can go. <laughs> I, it'll be fun. It'll be a novelty. Maybe we'll, we, we can make a TikTok. Oh, God. Yeah. Like 30-year-olds 30, 30 go into Acme. Yeah. It'll be great. And I think I can try and swing a reservation at Polo Bar. Polo Bar is fun. It's like kind of silly, but it's fun. It's just I a restaurant. You. Yeah, I think it's sort of funny because I live in the West Village and there are places that I've gone for a long time that I like, like American Bar, that are very popular with kind of like a lot of New York City sort of like TikTokers, Instagrammers, like influencers went there. Mm -hmm. And now they always have a crowd of like young women who like follow these girls, which Mm. totally makes sense, like trust their recommendations. Excellent peanut chicken salad at American bar and like a fun vibe. But then there's also always like a few men who have like figured out that that's like a good place to go to like talk to people. Yeah. And they're always, they're always, the tone of your voice is exactly, exactly right. They're in what I have personally witnessed. They are not like the guys you would necessarily want be like hoping to meet at the New York City hotspot. Yeah, they're not the catches of the day. <laughs> no, but good strategy. Like, I, I really can't. I really can't hate on on the idea. Like, mm-hmm. if you're a single guy in New York wanting to date, like, you should probably just follow Audrey Peters and, just and Hallie with. Kate, and just just be like, where are they going? Okay, okay. Okay. Like I'll go there because there'll be a ton of girls there. Caveat, girls who likely work in PR, fashion, or marketing, and also want to emulate this very like New York City influencer scene. Yeah. But I think there are guys that, that what's no, wrong with that? No, no. Nothing is wrong with that. I'm just... Yes. No, I agree. I agree. They'll be within that demographic. For yeah. Sure. Yeah. Because I feel like I always meet other people who are like in totally different 
world of New York where it's like, I don't know, really like the artsy scene or like the tech scene or just really into finance. And they go to such different places as well. And I feel like there's almost like a self-segregation that happens with nightlife. So picking your, you know, hunting grounds based upon location does imply that you are picking a category or like certain group of people within New York. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. I think New York is very like you sort of gravitate toward it always feels like you're in a small town because you always run into people, but it's Mm -hmm. because everybody in the same social circle goes to the same restaurants, Mm -hmm. which is kind of a cool thing. And kind of, I've always really liked that about New York because if you don't want to run into anybody, but you want to go out, you can just go to a different place. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's both the benefits of big and small, which we like. Yeah. I want to just finish with one of my favorite things about going out is I just like getting dressed. And this is something that's also a little bit unique to New York is that I feel like going out, whether it's to dinner or a nightclub or whatever, you can really like wear anything and go so over the top or Mm -hmm. so low key And I think that that's really fun. Like, I think if you love fashion and clothes and kind of expressing yourself with your wardrobe, Mm -hmm. that's one of the most fun things about New York is that you can really do that. And you can really kind of dress up to go out almost anywhere. Like, even if you're in a dive bar, if you're like kind of dressed up in a way that feels very like authentically how you want to be dressed up, people will be like, oh, that's cool. Not like, why are you wearing that? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. I, okay. So I'm from the Bay area, right? And so many people ask me like, why don't I move back to California? Why don't I go to the Bay area? And part of it is because I went out in San Francisco one night and I think I was just like, I was wearing a coat. I think it was a normal black pea coat. And someone went up to me and they're like, why are you dressed so fancy? And I was like, really, you're gonna, A, think this is fancy, but B, ask me that in an almost like offensive way as if I'm somehow like breaking the social code. And I do think there is a certain expressiveness to dressing up however you want, but in the same way that if you are in New York long enough, right, you don't like really pay attention to the person who's like, I don't know, just like doing some musical act or performance on the street or like yelling something. You're just like, okay, this is it. That same kind of like blase attitude applies to other people's fashion. And it is kind of nice to be like, oh, I can go as over the top as I want and it's fine. Or I can just go as low key as I want. And that's also pretty fine unless you're trying to go to like a nightclub, of course, in Manhattan. Yeah, which is, I think, at the end of the day, a good little ending because I think that's what we both love about New York and what New Yorkers love about New York is it's really a place where you can be who you are and find your niche because every niche exists here and people are pretty accepting of you being who you are, which is kind of cool. Everything from Acme to the box to the Brooklyn warehouses, they're all here for you. Mm -hmm. And lots of stuff that we don't know about too. There's so much nightlife that we don't know about. Which I am excited to explore. I really hope by the time I die that I can put in my obituary that I have explored all the nightlife that New York has to offer, including like the weirdest house parties, the weirdest like little enclaves and communes. That's my goal. I love it. Thanks, guys. We'll see you next week. Yeah. Bye, everyone. Thanks for listening. <laughs>